Hello and welcome to another episode of the Massage Matters podcast with me, Matt Scarsbrook, Anna Maria Mazzieri and normally Becky. But uh, this week uh, we've done a bit of a switch. If you've been tuning in recently, obviously I've uh, run off. Uh, and in fact, last time Anna ran off as well and we abandoned Becky to the clutches of her sister, um, which actually turned into a... Amazing, amazing chat that was. That was amazing. So- so if you haven't actually caught up with our last couple of episodes, I highly recommend that you do. They were absolutely superb. Anyway, so I'm back. Uh, we've lost Becky this week. Uh, and so Anna and I will be taking the helm. So before we get into things, actually, we've got a couple of really exciting announcements that we just wanted to uh, run through. So uh, as of uh, release of this podcast, next weekend, uh, we are as predominantly with our other hats on as the, the school, the Massage Training School, uh, we will be at the Arnold Sports Festival. Yes, we will be getting up close and personal, hopefully, the plan is to get Anna Maria definitely up close and personal, with Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger himself, sliced alone, and a whole bunch of other massive names at the Arnold Sports Festival that's occurring up in Birmingham. We are there hosted with our um, partners, Physio Matters uh, from the Physio Matters podcast. Obviously, the uh, amazing team who host us is the Massage Matters podcast. And we'll be there providing uh, on-site therapies uh, for the massive competitions, the uh, the Arnold bodybuilding competition itself, uh, a UK strongman event, CrossFit event, MMA event. It's going to be awesome. We're yeah, I so- never realised how 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 big uh, the Arnold was until uh, you know I, I researched it it's going to be fantastic gonna be so, yeah yes yeah, it's, it's kalinesthetics is going to be there in fact there's going to be a few people competing from our local box so quite exciting it was going to be oh, quite an exciting awesome. so so we'll be there so there's about a team of about 20 of us in total um, which is really good actually because obviously with lockdowns uh, etc we've barely seen each other over the last couple of years um, and in fact <laughs> some of our team we've never really met face to face so it's going to be it's going to be uh, really really great so we'll be there and um, as the TMC hopefully at some point throughout the weekend we're going to be uh, grabbing essentially anyone we can get hold of the more I famous. think Silver- Sylvester Stallone is going to be there on the Saturday and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone in the same room I know yeah. but chances of getting them both on the podcast yeah. slim. but that's not going to stop us from trying. So we will be podcasting. Uh, we'll be doing some live stuff as well from the event. So uh, make sure to keep us on your social media channels on Facebook, Instagram. Um, we're going to try and do some stuff from the event as well. We'll be recording a couple of podcasts if we uh, if we can get someone uh, interesting to come on on mic. If not, frankly, we'll do it ourselves anyway. We we pretend we're interesting and. Uh, and yeah, so that's our next weekend. So that's going to be absolutely fantastic. And then our next big piece of news that we're really excited about as well is Therapy Expo in November. Again, we are going to be there. We're going to be um, on stand. We're going to be on stage and we're going to be on live. <laughs> that was almost rolling quite well, wasn't it? Um, we will be both podcasting and doing some live stuff as well as a couple of presentations on stage and have our stand there at Therapy Expo. And we are going to also be having a, a presentation for the STA conference. So a little bit of a shout out to the STA conference at the at Therapy Expo. Absolutely. Yeah, we've been, um, it's been lovely. We've been invited to, uh, to join their list of speakers presenting to their annual conference. 
um, uh, which is being facilitated by uh, Matt Phillips of Run Chat Live fame. Uh, so um, we're really looking forward to that as well. So again, that's another couple of days where if you um, haven't got tickets already and uh, you want to come and hang out at Therapy Expo, it's going to be a really nice getting together, I think, of the industry uh, after a really dire couple of years. Um, so it'd be fantastic to uh, to meet everyone. Uh, and if you fancy getting on the podcast, again, we're going to be doing some live stuff, but also doing some recordings whilst we're there as well. So come and nab us and come and have a natter with us. That would be ace. So go and get your tickets for Therapy Expo. And uh, we've actually got a couple of podcasts coming up uh, where we're going to be talking to a couple of the key speakers from Therapy Expo. And if we can, we're going to get some of the organizers from Therapy Expo on themselves so they can tell us why Therapy Expo, what's going to be different this year, um, what they've got uh, planned for us uh, to really wet our whistles. So without further ado, that's probably our longest intro ever, but it's too exciting to keep this stuff under wraps. Shall we move on to the podcast? I think we ought to. All right. So today we wanted to speak about, actually, this was a topic that uh, that Becky brought up um, and uh, left with us, basically. So we're going to natter about it. So hopefully we're going to cover some of the points that Becky wanted us to talk about. Um, but it was this question that kind of was coming up in conversations that Becky was having in particular around rehabilitation. How do I start to introduce this concept of rehabilitation into my massage work? Um, what, what, what point do I move people on? Where do I need to be qualification wise? But more importantly, from an individual's perspective is how do I actually take my clients who are used to coming in and seeing me for relatively passive treatments how do i start making them a bit more active so i can actually start getting them moving forward and perhaps if not returning them to where they want to be taking them even further and 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 helping them a little bit with performance whatever that means to that individual yeah and, and on the on the note to me the first the first things that comes to mind is to actually reconceptualize or reframe the word exercise or rehabilitation and starting using more words like activity level or, or activity or words like movement because some of those words are more meaningful to the particular clients so we often find some of the clients we work with some of the people we work with they they associate exercise with uh, um, going to the gym with the structure uh, type of activity level which they might not they might not be very mindful to them so I find that often with certain particular client actually changing the word to movement it's better for them and for some of them it's actually less threatening for some of them it's actually much more uh, aligned with what they enjoy doing uh, in fact I often say to them do whatever you, whatever you want to do. Do a, a, a movement with joy. So if you go, if you enjoy going down the pub and having a bit of a jiggle around to live music, that is absolutely a perfect a kind of movement, a perfect kind of activity to get you back on track. But then said that, Ma, I often also think, should we reconceptualize the term exercises itself? Because sometimes, you know, I think exercise 
has had a bad name. So should, should we start actually change what the, the term exercise is? Yeah, well, I mean, um, shout out as far as I'm concerned to, to Stevie Barr. We, we've, we've had these conversations um, oh, it was months ago now. I think we started talking about terminology that we might use uh, in, a, in a clinical setting or, or even in a PT type setting, I suppose, um, around, <clears throat> excuse me, what words we might use to engage different facets of the community. Because like you say, the words hold so much meaning to different individuals. Um, I think let's, let's, start, let's start very quickly by just covering when we're talking about um, getting people moving and this, this idea of moving from sort of passive treatment to active treatment. Um, I suppose for me, the, the first question that I'd want to ask if, if this is unfamiliar to me is why? What is it about active movement <clears throat> that uh, is uh, that, you, that you're saying we should be moving towards away from simply passive movement, particularly when there is an underlying issue that we're trying to address? You know, obviously we're saying, you know, massage for massage's sake is amazing. And and if you just want to, if you've got clients who just want to lie still and, and, and be looked after for an hour, that's awesome. We all love that. But if there's an underlying issue that they've come to you with an injury or a niggle or something like that, why should we be getting them to move? There is, well, the, it's so many, the myriads, myriads of reasons from uh, the fact that uh, loading a joint, for example, uh, brings health to the joint, especially a cartilage level. We know that cartilage needs, uh, needs load and compression to, to, to be healthy because from a from a physical point of view we need a strong uh, um, tissue to cope with the load given to cope with the activity given and that activity is very client dependent it could be being able to walk for five miles or being able to to go and do a nice overhead with you know 60 kilos bar so it's uh, from strength perspective, from load perspective, from pain perspective, it's quite well recorded that um, exercise, exercise movement is modulates pain. But from a psychological, emotional, and kind of non-specific effects, exercise or movement allows the client to take charge of their health take charge of they they get in better so mm. improves self-efficacy if uh, i just provide uh, a massage therapy I just provide a therapy that is usually considered to be passive so if i just do something to someone that does not instigate the client to find self management strategy so on top to me on top of all the physiological benefits of movement and exercise the, the biggest one for me is achieving self-efficacy because i know that that is my outcome for the for every client and the best way they can achieve self-efficacy is to be to be active and that, that being active is whatever they find that they enjoy and then i do like adding load because of then we're talking about cartilage health, we're talking about joint health, we're talking about muscle health. And for example, if you think, I mean, we could go on forever, 
you know, preventing sarcopenia. We know the strength work prevents falls in in older adults. Um, so sorry, strengthening. Um, you know, following to prevent sarcopenia to prevent falls. Um, it's, uh, it strikes me um, listening to you list all of all of those elements, and you you have you have covered effectively. You know, if I if I look at what you've just covered, you've covered the psychological. You've covered physical, both in terms of maintenance of health. You know, we don't want to end up in a in a in a sarcopenia, muscle loss kind of area. And by moving meaningfully, then we can actually maintain muscle mass to an extent. Um, although we do know that actually we need to be adding additional resistance load to that as we get older. Um, but also, uh, we're we're looking at the how can we actually improve people. And and again, you you touching on the the um, cartilage health etc we know in osteoarthritis that actually load is is incredibly important so if you happen to have someone who is um, suffering with osteoarthritis say of the, the knee we know that actually loading that knee is really really important and all right the the the, the research is obviously still ongoing but we certainly know we can improve symptoms we appear to be able to reduce or slow down the progression of the disease. And there is some evidence that, that the right loading, the right loading program can in fact start to, dare I say, reverse it. Now, yeah, they, they, uh, Tasha Stanton calls, especially for the NEMA, Tasha Stanton calls it, we need to reframe wear and tear to wear and repair because of the reason. So we know that compression and load help new provides nutrients for the cartilage and there is there is some evidence as you say that's actually the show that the cartilage slightly thickens um due to the load so actually yes we go in arthritic joint we want to load the arthritic you know gradual loading obviously and yeah. appropriate loading so I, I, you know think reflecting on the fact that we're covering the psychology we're covering the uh maintenance i hate that word but maintenance of health and we're covering the uh to a certain extent improvement of health from you know from whatever state the individual comes in it sounds to me that meaningful movement's quite a holistic approach wouldn't you say uh, yes but that that's why i love it because actually you can do uh, holistic movement i love the word holistic i know that it's been bastardized but i am afraid i want it back into the industry so the holistic movement then just load it. Whatever they can do and they can do well and they can do with a tiny little bit of pain because I'm not a fan of doing pain-free for somebody comes in with an injury. And then load it, load it gradually, load it carefully, monitor it, and we get into that. Ah, uh, you know, let's move up. Sometimes, sorry, actually, I'm, I'm too you know, absolute. Sometimes we need certain type of uh, structure, precise exercises, but I don't think it's because of the specificity of those specific exercises, like, you know, rotator cuff, external rotation against resistance and things like that. I don't think it's because of the specificity of the exercise. It's more because the particular client might respond better with that specificity of exercise, but not because doing an external rotation with the rotator cuff actually improves rotator cuff health because actually we know that we need a little bit more than that. We need to have a more comprehensive um, shoulder. Um, it's, it's got to be very individualized. Yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's individualized both in terms of the choice 
Well, it's individualized on the choice of activity because it's got to be specific to the individuals. And I apologize, guys, if you can hear squeaking in the background. That is my puppy chewing on their toy. Um, the, it's got to be individualized to the individual, obviously, uh, in terms of what is it you're trying to address. So the movements have to address the underlying issue. But also, as you as you, you know, said earlier, Anna, it, it's got to be meaningful to the individual. And again, thinking... Obviously, on this podcast, we like to talk evidence based and, and and we are here talking evidence based but I appreciate that that moving from a um, let's say traditionally holistic view of 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 massage and health into an evidence based approach can be quite scary for people. but what I'm reflecting on now is that actually just by introducing meaningful movement to your clients program with you in clinic in terms of the stuff you're recommending that they do out of clinic is actually both holistic and evidence-based way of improving their overall health and in you know helping them with whatever issues it is that they've presented with and and, and so i think almost forget you know for a moment perhaps the narratives that we talk around around massage let's let's move away from that for this podcast and more talk about if you want to do a little bit of evidence-based and holistic work get them moving and and that just so much um fit where where we are matt about uh, patients uh, you know client-centered care and about asking the client what's meaningful to you so you have pain you're coming to me with pain but what actually the pain is, is stopping you? What what is the pain stopping you doing? What is the the activity or me again? I use the word meaningful uh, activity in your life that is stopping you doing. That already tells you what they want to get back to. So you know that for them that is important. It's not necessarily always pain relief. That why they come to us most of the time is because they want to achieve to do something that they cannot do because of the pain. How beautiful is then to advise them and how reassuring is to advise them, actually, yes, you can do that activity. We encourage you to do that activity. Maybe you need to deload it. But as massage therapists, how do we, you know, the, the lovely question you asked at the, be the beginning, Ma, it, it, uh, we always get asked by students or by therapists who are really, really struggle to integrate that advice into our into our um, treatments and when we were talking about this podcast Ma, you raised a really really nice point so, well introduce it with METSDR yeah absolutely well and and this and this yeah feeds and and I think that there's two points that I, I guess we ought to discuss concurrently and, and we'll probably switch between the two here but one is um, scope of practice for particular levels as w what constitutes advice around active movement uh, and 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 um active movement that's an obvious thing uh but uh sorry um what advice around meaningful movement and what then constitutes rehabilitation advice and where is that line when it comes to qualifications and scope of practice and and clinical reasoning um and then absolutely yeah the other is is and this is where where becky's uh original thoughts were coming from which is what well, how do I integrate that in, in my practice? And, and yeah, the, you know, MET and STR, if you are, you know, if you've been taught MET and STR, then, um, 
that is a fantastic place to start to encourage the client to be active in their treatment. You know, if let, let's, let's, um, <clears throat> you'll have to excuse me if I, if I, uh, really, oh, what's the word? I'm struggling with words today. I can't think of my words. Stereotype. That's the one. Let's let's really stereotype certain treatments for now. So let's say a, a, a spa massage. Generally in a spa massage, the client is going to stay totally still throughout the whole thing. They might turn over. <laughs> they might lie on their side, but generally they're staying completely still. In STR and MET, STR in particular, they don't really need to move either. MET, though, we're perhaps starting to ask them to engage in their own treatment. We're asking for a little bit of muscle activity. Well, why can't we build on that and have them in different orientations, different positions, working the MET uh, in, in different ways, using props so that actually they're doing the MET themselves? You know, a classic one, let's say we're doing a quadricep stretch. Instead of them lying on their um, on their front lying prone and, and you essentially taking the heel to their bum and then asking them to extend uh, their knee and then, you know, further flexing it. Why not get them standing up and having their, their, their foot behind them on a, on a raised surface, a stool or a, a chair or something, and have them sink into it. Now, they're going to be doing both a stretch on one side and loading their quads on the other while they're standing single-legged. Um, you've suddenly engaged them in their own treatment. And not only have you given them something that they can do when they get home um, and to, to you know, continue the treatment and, the, and whatever benefits that they're getting from that, but also um, they're moving, they're active, they're loading themselves. And, and it's not scary because you're yeah. not called it how great it is isn't it you imagine that gave me a really nice uh, clinical picture you imagine somebody with uh, right hip pain possible you know some normal changes in the hip um therefore they might have not been loading their hip for a while because they were pain you all of a sudden give them that stretch but on the the stretch is on the left hip so you put the left leg back on the on the couch on the chair whatever and then you sink into the leg but actually they're standing and they're loading single leg legged on the right hip that needs to be loaded and they don't even realize that they're loading it and you know what a beautiful actually type of exercise and movement and loading type of you know, basic loading protocol for that particular for, for that particular pain. I think that's that's wonderful. And if MET and FTR are in are in your wheelhouse, then then absolutely crack on and 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 do it. You know, I think then then the the sort of the the next stage is absolutely this. Well, what what can I do at home? Um, and I think again, we need a certain amount of of clinical reasoning here um but fundamentally it boils down to you can do anything that doesn't hurt that's that's the easiest place to start there is a certain amount of clinical reasoning that comes in when you start talking about okay a little bit of discomfort is okay for this particular underlying injury but as a starter for 10 you want them to be doing any movement that's pain-free through any range of movement that continues to be pain-free and doing it with as much joy as possible because funnily enough that'll increase the range and capacity they have for pain-free movement yes absolutely um, and if if the load has been too much if they've done a little bit too much on the joint that's where you know um 
we might want to keep a bit more monitoring on the joint. The joint will be sore and they will have some inflammatory or inflammation kind of markers the day after for two days. But you cannot, you cannot, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the client will not injure himself if they slightly overload themselves. So this is also the confidence. As Matt said, you know, if you if you ask them, just do your activity and load it a little bit, but keep it relatively pain-free, they cannot injure themselves. No. And so then, as I, I suppose, as we move through the left, so that, so that I think I'm right in saying that that would be a totally suitable kind of approach and discussion for sort of, um, you know, someone who's qualified at level three and uh, has, has, has perhaps gone on and, and done some of the, the MET, STR approaches. When it comes to home advice as well, there's this idea of, keep it relatively pain-free, expect perhaps a little bit of soreness if you push yourself, but it should recover within 24 hours, 48 hours, you'll be fine. When you start then moving through into level four to a certain extent, level five definitely, when you are looking at the, um, you know, what is tissue healing, what goes on there, what are different um, injuries, what are the signs and symptoms of different injuries and what are the protocols and understandings we need around rehabilitating those different injuries that's when you can start to again with real confidence work with your client and say actually we want you to move and it's okay to be sore during the movement it's that reassurance matt isn't it it's just it's just that reassurance sometimes it's the most powerful thing let's not panic doesn't mean that you injured yourself further you know, we can, you know, you got this, this is going to settle, this is going to go, isn't it? It's just a reassurance to say to them, you can load a little bit more. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And, and once, um, and again, the, the clinic is the perfect place to do that. And because I think you're absolutely right. Confidence is, is key here, particularly for, for the client, although I'll be perfectly honest, confidence for the therapist as well. And then that comes with practice and it comes with experience um, and, you know, uh, essentially going and doing, you know, shadow someone else who's who's perhaps slightly better at it than you are, um, maybe go and um, watch some, um, you know, pr- proper proper rehab going on if you've got colleagues that, that that do it say physios or osteos or chiros who are doing rehab perhaps go and observe them as well if you can because in the clinic space is about as safe as that client is likely to feel doing a movement that feels threatening okay you're not going to get them feeling much more safe because although they'll feel nice and safe in relative terms in their own home they're not going to necessarily feel safe trying a new movement out trying something they've not done previously and so actually do some of your soft tissue work your massage work in the first part of your appointment but then towards the end use that um reduction in pain and discomfort that you've achieved through your soft tissue work to provide confidence to the individual that actually they're not broken in a sense that they can move and that the soft tissue work is helping them move feeling more comfortable and then get them moving you know use props to emulate the activities that they want to get back to 
So obviously this means you need to understand what activities they want to get back to and then have some fun with it. It doesn't have to be serious. It just needs to get them moving. I mean, I think I've used this particular client as an example before, but again, it was one of my early clients um, and and they tend to stick with you. Um, but it was a, um, a, an older client who um, lawn bowls was life and um a series of issues, particularly with with lower back and with knees, was starting to uh, prevent them from being able to to, to play. Um, and you know, when you're top of the lawn bowls association, uh, it doesn't feel good to suddenly see yourself dropping down the rankings because you can't get low enough to the ground to deliver the bowl without bouncing. Okay. Now, I'm not a lawn bowls expert by any stretch, but I at least could understand that, that, that this client wanted to get low enough to the ground to not drop the damn thing and be able to, to, to roll it. And so we, we worked together in, in clinic and I started grabbing anything that I could get him doing a bowls activity, um, across my clinic floor, basically. And, and, you know, we ended up in the end with, with some, um, lightweight medicine balls and I was just getting him to deliver lightweight medicine balls across the floor. And this is where Ma, that, that's where clients like it. When you say make them play a little bit, make them do it, do the, do that activity, use it as a as a test. So before they, they, they go on the couch, test that activity that provides them, that gives them the, the discomfort. So there's a test. Treatment, treatment is a great symptom modification strategy, whatever treatment, improving range of motion. And then when you expose them, to then that uh, to, to when you retest them and they've been exposed to that oh actually I can do the same movement without pain so maybe now I can go a little bit lower they'll accept that because so, sometimes uh, uh, the problem that we find with massage therapist or the, the, the therapist that that um, contact us and says, "Oh, how do I introduce?" You know, I've been with, I've been doing this client for many years, and this is very, very difficult for me to introduce movement now because they just come in and there is the expectation of just being um, treatment on the couch. And I think doing exactly that, getting them to reproduce for you, say, "Okay, today you're saying to me that you're struggling to to uh, throw the ball for your dog. Let's have a look again." You know. Let's do that throwing of the ball before going on the couch, go on the couch, come out of the couch. Let's try the movement again and then load it a little bit maybe with a TheraBand or something a little bit heavy. And that, even just one movement, allows you to introduce into the client expectation that the treatment is not only on the couch and massage on the couch and I mean, that is really sorry Matt, that is really 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 powerful yeah and and i mean let's let's take that that throwing uh, a ball for the dog example even further if you don't if if you're feeling in some way compelled to still be hands-on with the client because you know we can we can we can break that process down even further yes it would be awesome to just sort of work with the client on the couch and then say, right, get up and, and, and use this TheraBand and, and, and let's do some throwing. But if you wanted to, you could take, go a step earlier than that, get them doing that movement whilst doing some STR with them. Yeah, so you could do showing some pin and stretch beautiful. through, you know, muscles of the shoulder whilst they're also working against load. So your hands are on them. That may increase their confidence in, in the movement because, Again, it, it, it very much depends where they are on their journey. But if they're 
highly used to being treated in a hands-on way, they may feel most confident with your hands on them to begin with. Hell, some people who haven't done these movements properly for a long time may inadvertent comments have forgotten <laughs> what the movement really feels like and so having someone guide them through it um can feel really reassuring and so you know you can help them move through you know show them the kind of movement you want to do by perhaps passively moving them, their, their joint through this this movement add the theraband then add some pin and stretch and get them moving through so they're getting a therapeutic uh sort of stretching type feeling whilst at the same time loading the front side of this, you know, in, in my mind here, you're stood behind the client, you're doing some pin and stretch uh, over the back side of their shoulder whilst they're engaging the front side of their shoulder during a sort of a throwing motion. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there's your middle ground. You're still in contact with them and they're doing something loaded and moving and you've managed to associate the entire thing with the activity that means most to them it's maybe why they came in to see you in the first place mm, absolutely ma it's just, you know it all, always always goes back to um again i have to quote other makings which by now people think i might have a crush which i don't but it's going nice beard <laughs> and that he, he when he says about touch he says i'm never against touch he said especially when you know you providing the treatment or the assessment, the kind, comforting touch. That is a sin to modification in itself. And for all of you, Pilates teachers, yoga teachers, you probably already, already know that. So with certainly, coming back, sorry, my, my, my brain goes all over the places. One, one of the things I absolutely love is, um, uh, you know, yoga. Uh, if, people, if people do yoga, I also advise them, to continue the yoga and to possibly include two or three extra yoga positions into their daily routine because yoga helps them to expo exposes them to different movement patterns. No, uh, I hate the word, uh, exposes them to different movements that would not necessarily be exposed to. I don't, I don't care about yoga being uh, helping you stretch. I'm not. By, by now you'll know you'll know that I'm not a big fan of stretching, but to me the exposure of uh, to a different uh, movement that the joint, the body part, and not being exposed to that is very very powerful. So they very powerful for the body to recognize it next time they have to go into that position. But also the fact that when you're going into one position with the body, you might think, oh yes, I'm stretching that, but actually you're loading another part. So yeah. that's why for me, sorry, that's why Matt, for me, but yoga is just so, because people, people align themselves really well with yoga. I can tell them to go and, I don't know, do some other movements or exercises or protocols or whatever. They will not do it. Ask them to do a few yoga routines and then load them. They love it. So it's all about reframing, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, a word that jumped to mind when you were describing that, 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 uh, exploring new movements was novelty. Um, you know, yeah. the brain, the brain and the body, they love novelty. Um, partly because if you're moving in a novel way, you're thinking about it more. Uh, and so you're more aware of, of movements, um, which is actually a really good thing for the brain to be able to a little, be a little bit focused. Again, if we're talking holisticness, if you're thinking about your movement, you're more in the present. And if you're more in the present, you're likely to be less worried about, you know, 
if we're saying depression's looking in the past and anxiety is worrying about the future, and you know, you've got a, a long-term niggling injury or pain that, that's really frustrating, focusing in the moment is gonna just dampen those 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 feelings, albeit briefly, you know. Um, but but that's one of the reasons why novel movement is so useful, so important. So give them something different. Make it fun. Again, we, we said we said fun earlier, but again, fun is a great distraction, brings you into the present rather than leaves you worrying about, oh, but what about tomorrow when I try and forget about tomorrow? If you saw tomorrow, then you saw tomorrow. But let's get you moving now because what we know is if we keep getting you moving more on a regular basis, then the tomorrow when you're sore is going to slowly fade away. You know, it it akin to DOMS. Um, you know, and that's the, where the reassurance come. That's where the reassurance needs to come in. And that's why you said about the confidence and very powerful, um, very powerful what you said before. Because actually, saying to them, it's okay to move. Mm. I know that you have knee osteoarthritis. I know that your doctor told you that you are bone to bone. But uh, you know what? Would you like to know that evidence is showing us that movement it's very beneficial and is actually a pain reliever and let's try originally might feel a bit strange and in fact i would say originally you might feel a little bit irritated but be consistent with it you know doing it to low level be consistent and that that irritation should go and sometimes actually getting them to do the same movement but while thinking about something else or by being driven by something else does help them tremendously because they might not if I say to them, lift your arm up, they might not be able to, to lift their arm up. But if I say to them, pass me the bottle of water, please, that is on the edge there, they probably will pass me the bottle of water on the edge yeah. <laughs> without thinking about it. So we have to be inventive. To, ultimately, it's about reassuring the client that they can do the movement. And if the movement is too painful or too irritated, the joint is too irritated, then it means we might have to find another strategy for that person to do the same activity or to do to complete, uh, you know, the meaningful activity. So let's move back to the the uh, well. Uh, there's two things I suppose uh, I, I fancy discussing. Is one wh where can you take this? Let's say you're someone who hasn't yet introduced um, sort of movement to your clients. Um, and, and but you're interested, you're just looking at, w at ways to start and we can come to that, that bit just again in a second. But, you know, where can you take this? Well, <clears throat> you know, there are therapists out there who um, have, have actually discovered they enjoy the meaningful movement bit as much as any other modality that, that they use. And I hesitate actually to call meaningful movement a modality. It, it should be just, we should be working towards just including it as, as, a, as a part and parcel of what we do, um, as opposed to a treatment choice. Uh, which is how I kind of look at modalities. But um, the point being that you can then move forward into, uh, and you start getting into the world that you may be aware of uh, on the fringes, but not really know what it's all about, which is strength and conditioning. And I think for me, strength and conditioning is the, <clears throat> certainly the high end of strength and conditioning is kind of the pinnacle of meaningful movement, because what you're starting to do there is you're starting to take this, this client and go, okay, where can we get you back to normal or even better? Where can we get you to a point where you're protected as best as we can against future problems, future injuries, or even improving performance? And for me, that's where strength and conditioning principles come in, which is where 
You've engaged this client in meaningful movement. They've built the confidence around the fact that actually sore and safe movement is, you know, sore, sore movement is safe. And you've built up the, the fact that actually, oh, the more I move, the better I feel. This is great. What next? Then when you started exploring strength and conditioning, you're sort of saying, right, well, what we can actually do is we can program movements for you with specific load under specific intensity that changes on a regular basis to maintain this, um, uh, this, this, this constant exposure to load. And we can actually get you to the point where the initial reason you came in to see me, you won't even think about again. And actually the risk of you re injuring yourself in that same capacity is going to be greatly reduced, not eliminated. We can't eliminate injury risk, but it can be reduced through correct strength and conditioning. Absolutely. Principles. Because actually, Ma, everybody that comes to us, even if somebody might argue and say, oh, but they come to me because they just want the muscles to be released. Why muscle feels tight? And muscles, are muscles really tight or muscles just struggling to cope with a lot given? And that's yeah. why they feel tight. They might not be tight, they feel tight. But they usually, because they're struggling to cope with a load given. So I'd argue that you cannot, you know, you can give strength work with even the client that comes to you with uh, just wants the muscle to be released. The way uh, we do it, the, the way we do it has to be really cleverly done because they just expect. Uh, the massage so that's if we want to be more active we want to be more evidence-based and if we want to actually be better with our clients outcomes then we need to start introducing movement and strength into our um, treatment plan and to a certain extent, our job is more difficult than that of an S&C coach, because if you go to see an S&C coach, it's in the title. That's what you expect. And so actually, you know, I, I guess the reason for the original question of, well, how do I introduce it is because actually introducing it isn't obvious because we're massage therapists. That's how we... Barriers are a lot. Yeah, we've got barriers up with our, our job titles and the barriers are there from an expectation perspective from the client. Which is why these these yeah, sneaky ways of encouraging movement with treatment with a bit of fun in the clinic are a really really good way of introducing it, and so I guess sort of thinking then by means of mm, theory to practice in a sense and and how can we kind of uh, wrap this up? One of the bits I was going to sort of uh, throw at you, Anna, and I've got some ideas myself. Is someone's listened to this and they've gone okay, you've convinced me movement's important. I want to start introducing some meaningful movement to my, my practice. You've talked about, you know, strength work. You've talked about resistance work and et cetera. What should I have in my clinic to get started? What, 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 what do I need? And, and I think, you know, if we, if we gave a, a few pointers about, you know, what, what basic equipment, or, or things you can find around the home, would you have? And I guess as well, just, and this is just based off previous conversations between me and Anna, how would you position it in your clinic to help set, you know, expectations that actually this stuff doesn't just keep uh, dust off the mantelpiece, but actually it is there to be used as part of, part of your clinical approach? For, for my students, they will know what I'm going to say already. First of all, one of the most... Um, uh, most uh, useful and uh, how do you say versatile versatile um, tools or rehab tools that we I have a clinic is bottles of milk. 
we have the bottles of milk which then we fill it in with water sand or whatever else but i'm talking about those bottles that they have the handles so those are brilliant because they provide a little bit of load something that they can find in their own home but the load is variable according to how you move uh, how you move the bottle i like that i if Ideally, a pulley machine, it's one of my absolute favorite tools, but not everybody can have it. So There's a bit of a price difference yes, between a, yes. a milk and a pulley machine. Anna. I, I know, uh, um, but he, I think will be, you know, a therabands. I love therabands. I, I use usually the, the, the darker color ones to build, to build the strength. And the other really useful things that I have um one of the useful things that I have is those Pilates two to three kilos balls mm-hmm. and they are just great they, they feel great when you touch them clients love the, the, the feeling uh, you can do a lot of good dynamic calf work calf work with them but you can play with them as well so um so those one has to be my my two favorite uh, favorite um uh, things that I have, I have at the clinic. So I have, um, so I, so I sort of, I guess I'll, I'll build on that. So they are awesome places to start. And, and, and apart from the pulley machine, which they're not cheap, they are amazing though. Um, uh, are, are really easy for you to sort of get and, and, you know, jazz up the milk bottle, stick it in the clinic and start the question. Why have you got a milk bottle half full of sand over there? Ah, well, that's actually part of our treatment later on, but we'll get to that. Um, so I then have, um, a couple of lightweight dumbbells. Um, I've got a couple of heavier weight dumbbells as well. Um, because there are certain clients I have, if I've started introducing this idea of, of loaded, meaningful movement, I like to surprise them, um, by actually how easy it is to shift a 20 kilo dumbbell, um, uh, or, or to, or to walk upstairs carrying a 20 kilo dumbbell, because actually they're like 20 kilos, that's really heavy. And you're like, yeah, but you weigh 75 kilos, excuse me, 25, 20 kilos is nothing. And so, um, I, so I have, I have some dumbbells, so I've got some dumbbells that are kind of like one and a half, two and a half, three and a half kilos, that kind of, that kind of range. I also have some kettlebells and again, I have heavier kettlebells, but I actually intentionally have gone for some of the lightest kettlebells I could find. And partly for that is because there's nothing like (laughs) seeing, uh, again, I'm going to stereotype a little old lady or a little old man pick up and swing a kettlebell for the first time because they associate kettlebell with gym and they may associate those kind of movements with something that's so far out of their wheelhouse that they just would never dare do it. And the confidence that can come from discovering that actually this piece of equipment is not out of bounds and it's not scary. And in fact, it's literally just a lump of metal with a handle and that they can then equate that to the heavy rucksack that they've got to pick up in the morning to, you know, take to work or even hell, you know, going back to my original client, yeah. the lawn bowls, if they can start swinging a little kettlebell around it, the confidence building is brilliant. And so there's a few pieces of equipment that, that again, yeah, the- I, I have that look the part, but that's intentional. They look the part, but they're lightweight. I'm not asking people here to be doing. You yeah. Know, I, lo- I love the rucksack. I, the rucksack advice is one of my absolute favorite 
you know, asking them, okay, you're going for your walk. Well, put a few bottles of water inside your rucksack more than you would do normally. You know, there's a loaded walk. And, you know, swap the, the rucksack from the front to the back. Absolutely. Rucksack is another really nice. And I love it. I, as you know, you know, I'm a big fan of having uh, the, you know, a, a non-gym goer lifting, uh, you know, a, a bar or lifting a kettlebell because what they make them feel, you know. So yeah. they're going to make them feel really empowered by that. And actually, well, the point that you made about look how easy it is to lift this weight and actually it's okay you know carry close to your body or far away from your body according to what load do you want to put in you know carry it close to your body and just go up and down the stairs with that load and that that's just very very powerful yeah absolutely so so basically i think that's a, a good place for us to wrap up in a sense that hopefully it's it's for those people who have perhaps asked that question and that posed that question to Becky. It it's given a bit of an idea of well, what why would we want to introduce meaningful movement? How can we do it with the skill sets we already have? What can we do to build on those skill sets? And that's really this. Um, for me, it's really important that, again, we're reflective on the scope of practice that we have at our different levels and, and understand that there is a difference between providing meaningful movement in clinic and as um, home care advice that is slightly different to rehabilitating an injury and understanding the um the the ins and outs of those particular injuries and what we should be uh, asking them to 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 do we're going to rehabilitate a tendon injury different to rehabilitating a muscular injury, for example, and the, and the loading patterns are going to look different. That comes with the, the, the knowledge base and the clinical reasonings of levels, levels four and five. But then we've sort of talked about, well, what, um, what approaches can I use? How can I engage the client? And then what equipment might I use, what I need to use to get started? Because again, you know, if, as a therapist, if you're not a gym goer, going out and buying a kettlebell can feel really weird. And you think this is, I'm having all the gear and no idea here. I feel like a complete imposter. It's just a heavy weight with a handle on. All right. We're not asking for, for, for Russian kettlebell swings here. We're just asking to have something with weight that looks the part that encourages people to kind of think, oh, maybe lifting something with five kilos written on the side isn't all that difficult. Let me have a go with that 12 kilo one. I'm just interested. And, you, and you, you're trying to engage. And, and so, as you know, for me, all right, it's been really difficult during COVID because we've needed to keep surfaces clear and clutter to a minimum in clinic, um, rightly so. But, you know, as if you start preparing now, as things hopefully start relaxing, probably early next year, um, I don't think they're going to relax terribly between now and Christmas, if I'm perfectly honest, then you can have your kettlebell out on the side, you can have your TheraBand hanging from the door handle. And you can have them there to start conversation. And they're just they're just there to use as part of your part of your treatment. It seems much more natural then. Any other points you want to add, Anna? Yeah, just, <clears throat> instead of adding other points, I would like to consolidate what we said about reassurance. It's a very important point for me is to a client that comes to you with pain is a client that usually would be adverse to do, <clears throat> excuse me, any movement or, or exercise because they're worried that the movement or exercise will make the pain worse. <clears throat> excuse me again. At, at that point is where the reassurance 
from us has a therapeutic, a strong therapeutic value to say to them, actually, you might struggle to do the movement uh, squatting all the way down, but actually try to squat only a quarter of the way. So the reassuring them it is okay to do the movement, but deload the movement, or actually reassuring them that movement is good. So they, they need to monitor themselves, but it, movement is good. That can be a very powerful message. Lovely. So thank you very much for joining us this week. Um, I hope that's been a useful chat for those of you who have been uh, wondering around meaningful movement or rehab exercise whatever you want to call it but bear in mind whatever you call it it's going to have to mean something to your client and we will be back in a couple of weeks so the next time you hear from us uh if you're following us on social media we're likely to be live from the arnold sports festival we're going to try and do some um some short live videos mostly probably fawning over famous people um but uh, we, we might get some of the physio matters crew on as well do they count as famous people? Probably just not in the same, not in the same oh, rank. Jim does. Jim okay. and his quaffed hair does. Okay, we'll get Jim March on the uh, rheumatology dot physio. We'll get we'll get him on. He's famous. Jack Chew, who's he? Um, <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll you'll hear from us from the Arnold. We'll try and record some podcasts as well as well from there. So that may well be our next podcast. Um, but we are also sitting down and recording some podcasts uh, with therapy expo so if you haven't got your tickets yet uh, go and get your tickets for therapy expo in november we'd love to see you there we'd love to meet uh, meet you all there's certainly loads of you have engaged with us over the last 18 months since we kind of kicked off the uh, the massage collective and massage matters um who we'd, we'd love to see if you're possibly able to get down to birmingham and uh thank you to the sta uh, for asking us uh, to speak at their conference as well we can't wait to meet uh, all the STA members who are going to be there as well. So big shout out there. Awesome. Right. Take care for now. Bye now. Bye.